Um, okay, Joey, it's your show. Yeah, I mean, I'm not quite sure what to do with myself. I don't have one, but two, but three uh, insurance nerds in front of me. Not quite sure how to handle all of this. So this will be maybe mildly overwhelming. We'll see what we can do about it. But um, Nick, Tony, Carly, I mean, what's up, man? What's going on? Just let's do that first. I'm tired. I'm, I'm, I'm pissed off, Joey. It, the NBA puts these games on at 9 p.m. Eastern time. The worst and, possible place to start for me, Nick. Just the worst. And I just want to send, I want to send my condolences just. To, to you. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I was rooting for you guys. I have a feeling you're going to have audio issues at some point in the show. We're just going to magically lose Nick at some point. That <laughs> might happen. I, I, I like how, how, how there was no intro, just like Nick, Tony, and Carl. Like, apparently, we, 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 we've made it to the point where, where we are uh, one na- uh, first name entity, where, where everybody knows who we are. Just the first Introductions name. are overrated, yeah. Tony. I mean, you know, uh, they might care. They don't care who any of us are, really. They just want to know what they know to, to feel like a little bit smarter. <laughs> and then it makes them read. It's just like, stop being lazy about the show and you'll figure out if you don't know who these people are. That's my approach. I'm very, I'm very selfish and lazy, probably all at the same time. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, so I, th- I think, I think they'll catch up. They'll catch the speed. And you guys, yeah, you're known entities in the industry, right? I mean, if you wear a Superman shirt, I mean, just things get done, right? The Superman thing is, 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 uh, that definitely works. It, it, uh, gets me recognized in a lot of places. Carly, how are you doing this morning? Pretty good. I did not stay up for the game, so I'm feeling fantastic this morning. Well, that's good. I'm glad we can try and erase Nick's original sin of just starting the show off on the literal worst possible notes. Uh, we'll see if we can rebound. <laughs> We've got a long way to go, very long way to go. But, um, you know, it's interesting. And I guess the first kind of thing I'm, I'm just curious about is, is we all kind of do sort of a similar thing in some degree of like we kind of put stuff together to help people in the industry, you know, do better, right? Or just share knowledge, create conversations, why? That's a good question. Um, I, I would like to start just, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to speak for Tony and Carly. I think there's an inner voice, uh, within us that would like to help other people to avoid some of the pains that we're going through, um, or we went through in trying to develop a career. Um, I, I think there's, you know, a, a desi- I think there's a desire for camaraderie that, you know, I think the, the day of the cutthroat uh, business, business and career development is, uh, it, it exists in some corners of the business world, but I just think there's a new era coming up um, that's more team oriented, more, um, I don't know, the pie's big enough for all of us and we should all try to help each other. Uh, that, that's what I'm thinking. Tony Carley. I think I would agree with, with what Nick said. I think it's important to have camaraderie in the industry. Um, for me, it goes a little bit farther than that. Even, uh, when I started, I started in an agency. I think I've shared that a few times. Um, and I was able to see the impact that our work has on customers, uh, who buy insurance and, Sometimes I think that we don't take ourselves seriously as a professional industry. And it's important that we do because the work that we do matters and has a big impact on people's day-to-day lives, whether we are willing to uh, share that on a day-to-day basis or not, we need to remember that. And I think educating ourselves about the industry and about the work that we do can help us be more serious about that work. For, for, for me, it was kind of a no-brainer. It's, it's, uh, I, I was shocked that this didn't exist in, in the industry uh, when I first came in and, and uh, I, I wanted to figure out how to, how to grow and, and I found that there was very little advice out there on, on how to grow your, your insurance career and I found that very frustrating. So as, as, as I looked into some good advice and mentorship out there, uh, I, just a natural thing to do was to, 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 to share it. Like I, I saw... Uh, on the on the career side, just how we were burning through thousands of of, of young professionals 
uh, not helping them fall in love with the industry. And, and it just broke my heart. And something had to be done about it. Do you think people are looking at it differently now? Do you think there is a, a slight momentum shift in the way maybe, I mean, I think, I think it's kind of starting to happen with the people that are in it, but maybe from the outside where people are maybe flirting with it, they're like, eh, this insurance thing, it's not as ugly as I thought. Let's see what happens. You think we're doing that a little bit? I've had the opportunity to spend some time with uh, the Gamma Iota Sigma chapters here in Minnesota recently. And I certainly feel it when I hang out with those students. Um, they know that there's a good career in the field and they're definitely taking the work that they're learning seriously. Um, and as I, I get more involved with the internship programs, I'm seeing that uh, from that perspective as well. I think there's still work to be done on the consumer side, which will likely always be there. Yeah, that's um, m my experience has, has Curly brought up Gamma Iota Sigma. I think once there's some level of exposure to the industry and all the different facets of it, people can latch on. Without that introduction, it, it, the, the stereotype's just very strong out there. And, you know, for, I, I guess for listeners that are listening to this, especially those that are executives or running companies or agencies, if you're hiring young people and you don't have the right onboarding process, most likely these folks don't know very much about insurance. They come in with extreme biases. And so if you don't get them trained correctly and you don't get them uh, to latch on to what it is that we all find interesting and fascinating uh, about the industry, I, you're going to have a miserable employee. I, I, the stereotype's that strong. Well, I mean, so, you know, Tony, you know, how many times have you heard, I'm sure we've all heard it, you know, the, the, the story of, well, I really didn't, I tried to do everything but sell insurance and here I am. And I actually, this is actually really cool. I mean, it seems like that's a pretty common theme with most people's journey into the industry. Um, would you, would you feel that same way? I mean, do you come across the same kind of sentiment and how do we, again, like you said, like once they've had an introduction, it's, I guess, our, do we have the power to change that stereotype? I guess it feels, that feels like a ridiculous question that I just asked, but go ahead, Tony. We can absolutely change it. Uh, absolutely. And, and the more of us, uh, I think it was, it was Mike Casalmi, former president of the CPC society that, that, that said, I want to, I want to stop apologizing for being in insurance. Uh, and I, I think if, if we all start, start doing it, even if let's just say 30% of us who have been in the industry for, for a good while, and I'm about to hit 10 years next year, uh, if, if we just stop apologizing for being in insurance and start being proud about it, I mean, there's a reason we're still here. There's a reason so many people are here 20 or 30 years in. Uh, I think that, that if, we, if we get loud about it, the, the perception over time changes. I mean, I mean we're already seeing it. Uh, we're already get, getting people who, who contact us saying, I never thought of working in insurance, but, but you make it sound so cool. Uh, and I'm sure you guys get a ton of that. Uh, now, your side, right, we, we're more carrier-focused, you're more, you're more agency-focused. Your side is a lot harder be, because the ramp-up period for, for uh, a new agent or a new broker uh, is, Thanks, is, I appreciate that. is very tough. Uh, but, but, yeah, if, if you get, uh, and I can't think of her name right now, uh, the Beyond of Insurance. Uh, Ashley help Fitz. Out, please? Ash, Ashley, Ashley Fitz. Fitz. Actually, yeah. Yes. So if you if you get people like like I like I like I said Simmons, uh, you know, you get a few of her, let her be loud and proud about insurance. The, the perception over time will change. Loud and proud. So all right. So here's this is the one thing that you're talking and and, and uh, you know Carly. I did a podcast with uh, one of my good friends, Jenny Dietrich of uh, she owns a PR firm in Chicago talking about why people hate insurance. And you, I think you had mentioned on the consumer side of things we had work to go, do, or maybe that was Nick, I think it was you, Carly. Um, is, it, is it the fact that it, from a consumer standpoint, from a, usually when this stuff happens, like we, we hear people just saying bad things, uh, is that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do we need to get our act together on that side of the house? Like, would that also oh. drive interest and, and respect in the profession if the consumer experience didn't have such a, uh, mixed review, if we'll say. Yeah. Hold on, so, hold on. I, I, let, let, me, let me interrupt first. Real quick, 
that the consumer perception won't be a problem anymore now, now that we have Lemonade's blessed uh, 2.0 policy. Uh, it's all been solved. It's okay. You can go ahead, Carly. Listen, Tony, I've been, I was warned beforehand by, by somebody on this panel, this conversation that you may or may not bogart the conversation and that that was basically my one responsibility was to just make sure that Tony didn't run away. <laughs> to, 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 mute, to mute me? Yeah, I know. So um, just, it's like, it's like, it's like the first warning, like we've warned the benches sort of thing. Like, so first warning, we'll see how it goes, Tony. Um, uh, Carly, go ahead and continue. Okay, so in case anyone isn't sure, Tony's wholeheartedly joking about Lemonade solving the problem. So we'll put that out there first. The second thing that I was thinking about is I have a lot of friends who don't work in insurance. And every year when their renewals come up, they come to me and they ask, what does this mean? What should I do? Does this make sense? And I'm not an agent anymore. Where are their agents? So I know that that's something that you are working against, and I think that's fantastic. Um, but it just, it's such a lost opportunity because uh, I was involved in a LinkedIn conversation yesterday that uh, Ryan was involved in as well. And agents aren't taught how to sell, and they are focused solely on price. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of things that Ashley writes, she doesn't ever write about price. And it's just, that is a difficult thing to overcome. And we have to start talking about insurance as a product that matters. Uh, and I think that will help the consumer experience. Because if you have a consumer who's had a claim, they're generally happy. There are your outlier cases where they've had a very bad experience and they're writing horrible reviews of the claim service. But generally, after you've had a claim, you understand the value of what you're paying for. And we need to do a better job of presenting that up front and not allowing all of the price-focused marketing to overcome uh, the message of what we're trying to sell. Okay. Yeah, there's definitely a lot there. Um, so I think, so if, if we're going to just kind of, you know, do a little light sparring session here, Carly, let's, uh, let's go ahead and limber up. There's a lot of agents out there that came up in environments that, that were, you know, like you said, price driven, that were just not taught, you know, how to maybe sell kind of today. Now, I will say, I think a lot of those decisions and, you know, my, from my personal experience in, you know, being an agent, um, you were forced to make, in some cases, tough business decisions on what we can legitimately spend our time on. And, you know, if we're getting, you know, if we're getting our commissions cut on these policies every year, whatever that looks like, you know, we, we can't say we can't, I'm not saying that's, that's an excuse to not contact for the renewal, but I'm saying, uh, the incentives are going the wrong way to 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 kind of provide that level of service on the carrier side of things in some capacity, um, and, and where you've got to make again depending on the business that you're selling, um, to where you're making kind of tough decisions. And it's it's yeah, I would love to be able to do all of this for everybody, but you know, a lot of agencies aren't set up to handle that. They they don't have the, the efficiencies in place to to have the margins be high enough to make the profit that they're looking for. Am I way off base or? Or, or where are we at? Like, Nick, what do you think? I don't think you're way off base at all. I, I, that's, that's ultimately the crisis that where we're at, right? From the agency side, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure. Um, my retort back to you, if we're going to have a sparring session. Sure, let's go. Uh, my counter move would be, if you're an agent and you have that kind of pressure, you're extremely vulnerable. Um, that, you know, as much as I write about how I don't think technology can replace that human element, if your only value proposition is I can try to find you a cheaper quote, uh, you can do that. On, you're going to be able to do that online at some point, And that person is likely to disappear. So when I, when I interview people like Ashley Fitzsimmons on, uh, or, um, Patrick Mushenti, uh, it, it's clear that they're different, right? Like they're, Patrick couldn't have been more uh, transparent when it came towards his, um, his desire to form long-term relationships. I think he even said on my podcast, he would gladly sacrifice the immediate sale if he knew that he was going to develop a stronger long-term relationship with a potential customer. That I think cannot be replaced. So I think I, I think we, we we may have gone off tangent 
a little bit, but um, you know, I think part from the agency perspective, uh, getting people excited about insurance or trying to change the conversation. I think part of it is developing deep relationships with people, having that kind of experience uh, or having the customer feel that kind of experience, feel warm, welcome, uh, the ability to be frank, open, honest, and to have everything taken care of. I think there's a big difference. There's a line there. And if you're on the right side of the line, I don't think you can be disrupted. And I think you're doing a service to the industry, changing that stereotype. Right. So, well, yeah, let the conversation take you where it's going to go, Nick. I don't think we have an agenda here. So, um, so, all right. So we've talked about, you know, the idea that, you know, one there, you know, the reason that we're all having a conversation today is because we didn't feel that there were necess- the, the necessary resources available for us to kind of advance in the direction we would like our careers to take. You take that on top of, um, again, you know, my point of the commission thing is, is that if you've got somebody that is not in a, in a system where there's support to kind of, you know, learn how to, you know, value those relationships first, not put price kind of there. And then they're seeing like, oh, hey, wait, I've got to do, they're starting to do the math of how many sales they've got to do to just maybe make a halfway decent living. Um, you know, on top of all of the other things that we've just talked about, I'm, I'm, it's like, you know, it's like one plus one plus one plus, you know, as we keep kind of going, we're adding onto the stack here. I feel like they're all very, very connected as to kind of what we're getting after. Um, well, we went, I went into that in great detail with Patrick Muschenti on my podcast recording and, you know, he, he provided a potential solution to those lack of resources. I mean, the agency system is the sales distribution channel for the carriers so it is up to the carriers to potentially provide more resources. It doesn't necessarily have to be more commission, but at least more resources. But I mean, this is the crisis that we're in. Um, I, from my, I've been in insurance for 20 plus years. I started on the agency side and right away it was plainly obvious. New agents got brought in. They were thrown into the fire. It was sink or swim. And I don't think that's going to work. I think that's just, it's like you said, it's too hard for them to do the math. And ultimately the financial and economic pressures get so great that they will do anything to make a sale because they have to, they have to put food on the table. So the incentives are kind of all out of whack now. I think, go ahead, Carly. Yeah. If if I may, um, having been in an agency, one of the things, having been in an agency and moved to the carrier side, one of the things that frustrates me is this adversarial, tone that we take with each other. And and when I uh, made the flippant remark about agents, it was flippant. I fully agree that they're under a huge amount of pressure that most carrier employees do not understand and do not respect. Um, And to Nick's point, with these incentives being misaligned, we're going to continue to have um, this adversarial relationship. So part of what we're doing, I hope, as we build that camaraderie and build better programs for people to understand what their career can look like in insurance, I hope that we start to bridge that gap between agents and carriers because we can't survive one without the other. We need both sides of the coin. Here's an idea. I, I think you're, I think you're right. There's some of it's manufactured. I think to some extent, it's just, we've kind of grown up in an environment where it's like, Hey, you know, you got to keep your cards close to the vest or some type of like, you know, Western mm-hmm. style kind of mantra. Um, here's an idea though. Just, uh, just tossing this out there. Carriers, uh, since you guys, uh, you know, maybe they'll hear this. Uh, if we could just come up with a, um, like, uh, like a, you're going to make X if you sell this much business sort of calculator for somebody to plug in. Like I want to sell monoline home. I need, to, you know what I mean? Like if they could just let somebody do the math on, on the numbers that they would need to kind of produce to get to, you know, like to identify like what kind of situation they're getting themselves into it. Nick, as you said, like it's too hard for them to do the math. Um, you know, spend like 20 minutes just putting in numbers on the different types of things that you want to sell and what you'd have to do to actually, like you said, you know, what's your, what's your agency split, right? Are you, is it a 50, 50 split? You know, cause you know, people look at the straight commissions, they're not getting that. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like all the numbers, right? Just let's have a nice little calculator of like, insert your numbers here. And here's what you might walk away with if you hit your goals, because people, as I've liked to call it, they succeed to failure, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to keep going, keep going. I've, I've, I've got all these like leads. I've made all, so all these policies. And I'm still not where I want to be. 
and that I think just kind of a lack of, maybe it's just a whole like business thing and maybe it's, it's just a whole byproduct of the thing, but I uh, feel free if, if there's a, if there's a, how to sell this much insurance and be, you know, financially stable and not, you know, wanting to, you know, be a drug dealer on the side sort of thing calculator. Let's do that. Uh, I think we, we all agree that, uh, thank you for unmuting me. Uh, <laughs> I think we, we, we all agree that, that, that the, the old style of hire everybody that you can off the street and see who survives. I mean, the survival rates for agents on, on the life side in, in, in the 90s were like 4%. Uh, that, that's, that's not good for anybody. It's not good for the industry. It, it's not good for our reputation out there. We can't continue to do that. Uh, and I think that, that with a generation that's, co that's coming in uh, with student loans, uh, there's the, the pressure is magnified, right? So, so you talked about commissions declining, uh, especially in personal lines, and then uh, take into account, you know, student loan payments, and it, it's very hard to to get somebody to 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 kind of do the right uh, to get a new agent to to take the right long term approach when um, you know they're not going to make rent unless they sell right now, right? So yeah, the the, the in the long term, the smart thing to do is. Is, is to provide that high-level service, but the, it, it, we're not providing them a solid salary. If they really have to feed themselves on, on, on commissions, it's, it's very hard to do. So I, I think that, 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 that we, we need to be pickier in bringing agents in and then invest more in those agents when we do bring them in. Yeah, I, I would say that the I just don't see in this millennial Gen Z environment that model working at all. I, I just think it's going to exacerbate the problem. I think the, the success numbers are probably going to drop. And I just think a new, an, another model needs to be made, um, both not just for producers. Let, let's put sales aside. Uh, from, from the agent, agency perspective, you're, you're competing against so many different industries for this young talent. Don't, you know... Don't you want good talent coming in? There's there. What else are you going to do? What else are you going to offer? How can you make this particular industry attractive? I think there's lots of different ways to do it. But I think starting from how uh, agencies recruit people to how they onboard them to the just the training and the culture, the environment that they're in most most agencies that I know that I've been in are like, you know, um, sort of strip mallish office condo and you go in and there's nothing in there where I go in that screams, I want to work here. I want a career here. Most of them are not like that. You have to bring something else to the table. So I, I agree with Tony. I, I don't think it's going to work. I already think it's failing. And for, for, you know, agencies that are listening to this, this is a crisis moment and you have to think about your entire operation. Um, you also have to make the numbers work. So, you know, I guess my advice would be um, focus deeply on, on this particular problem and reach for outside help if you can to, to help you with this because the talents there, the talents out there the, we, we know the industry's fantastic how can you economically do the things you need to do to find, recruit, hire, train, and, and not only for producers but for account managers and other roles? Um, it, it just yeah, I go uh, Kelly Donahue Pirro probably would scream. You need a, a a collective business plan to be able to nail all of these things. It's it's too complicated and too vital for the for the future of that business. Uh, so I'm going to maybe go off uh, a little bit here in a left field, but let's see what happens. Uh, is it an agency owner, current agency owners might not appreciate this, but well, you know, hey, let's just, why not, right? Um, is it the fact that, you know, maybe those, that strip mall agency that you've described, Nick, is that, uh, is that something that needs to, it, it, I'm, I guess what I, 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 as the years go on, I find it exhausting to try to convince the unconvincible or the unwilling, you know what I mean? Like it's to the point where, uh, you know, do what you do, right? I mean, I'm not going to stand in your way. Let's see who wins, right? Who's right? Um, and is it maybe more or less in this kind of entrepreneurial golden age that we're entering into with, you know, again, having access to that information and having mentors from afar and you don't necessarily, you can kind of 
get this information? Should we maybe make it easier for people to start their own agencies? You know, I mean, and one of my big things is like just the idea of how do I get carriers, right? Like what do I have to do to have enough companies to sell, to be competitive, to not have to worry about price, to be like, Hey, I've probably got somebody that's in the ballpark. Should there be a more of a framework from carriers or whatever to say, Hey, listen, here's how you start up an independent agency. Um, you know, maybe give them some support in some way, structure, form, because, you know, changing course on the Titanic is, is sometimes a lot harder than it is to just, you know, build a, a little, you know, rowboat or whatever and let it kind of go out to, this is, the analogies are terrible today, but I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I vote yes. I, I think it, the, the agency system is the carrier's distribution. And maybe there are carriers that are eager to change that. I don't think that's in their best interest, but I think the carriers that view the agency system as their future sales and distribution area, uh, I think they have a little bit more of responsibility. I think, listen, Joey, there, I think there's a lack of creativity all the way around. This isn't, this isn't a spite on agents. It's the ecosystem itself is all, you know, the carriers are struggling with the exact same problem, just a little bit different economics. It, there's, there's got to be more partnership when it comes to these kinds of things. Uh, better products, uh, better training. Uh, Patrick Muschietti said on, on my podcast, uh, carriers, carriers can't afford to help with the training. I mean, professional sales training. And, and, and making sure that their, the incentives are aligned so that when new people come in, they don't have these financial pressures, which could force them to do the wrong thing. So it, it, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I agree. I think there are some carriers who attempt to do this and I think they'll see attempt to provide training and professional sales training. I think they'll see, success over the long term um, if they continue to invest in that. It's challenging when you have a lot of carrier employees who've never been in an agency to try to try to be creative about how that problem might be solved. And I would agree with Nick, there needs to be a concerted effort to make that innovation happen on both sides. Explain to me the carrier perspective of, you know, like, you know, we, we you know, it's again, we've got the agent perspective. I mean, what, what does it help agents understand the challenges that, that you face working with them and, and, and like maybe the one or two things that um, would go a long way to make it better. From my perspective as an underwriter and, and as someone who's been an agent, I think the biggest challenge that I see on a day-to-day -day basis is agents who haven't done their frontline underwriting. And this is different now that I'm in the commercial space. Um, I have worked with some fantastic agents who understand the different appetites of the carriers they work with. And when I talk with them, I can tell that they know their customer, they've been out there, they um, understand how the coverage that I have available would would apply to this customer and why it would be a good fit. On the other hand, I get calls from agents who don't have a relationship. Um, a lot of agents use lead the lead generation services, and those are a good first step. But if you're calling me immediately after you've seen that lead and you haven't taken a moment to get an appointment with the customer and visit their shop and learn about what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis... It's very hard for me to understand if this is going to be a good fit for my appetite. Um, that's a challenge. The other challenge that that we'll have is if I'm trying to talk to you about coverage, I need you to understand the coverage that you're that you're talking about. So I need you to do a little bit of research first and look at those forms. Um, I had a sideline conversation with the with a woman I know who is also now an underwriter, also used to be an agent. And we were talking about how when we first started selling, we were terrified that we would sell something that when the customer had a claim wasn't appropriate. And the customer would be calling us and upset and um, it would be because of a, an oversight on our end. So we read the forms. 
we understood what we were selling. And I'm shocked almost daily that there are people out there who don't read the forms. Um, so that people in the industry who don't read the forms, that is a huge pet peeve of mine. Well, real quick, you know, just the, I think, you know, from the agent perspective, and this is one of the things I'm, I'm huge on and it drives me nuts is I think you're dealing with an agency culture where yeah, how many times have you heard someone say I'm a generalist, which I think is probably the scariest thing you could hear an insurance agent say to you. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm serious. Like, it's like, Hey, like you said, like, they're just, Hey, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. It's, uh, you know, there's, you can really, you can only really be good at like probably two or three things in my opinion, like really be like the best in class of whatever defined region or area. And, uh, I think that's probably a, you know, kind of a product of, of kind of the thing that you're experiencing. Um, Tony, I mean, from your end, I mean, or Carly, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, aren't you just surprised at how many people think they can be a generalist? I mean, I would like to say yes, but it's basically a no at this point because I hear it so often. <laughs> Fair enough. Tony, I mean, any other thoughts on, on, on kind of like w what your frustration points are with, with us and being inadequate human beings most of the time um, and, and how we can uh, be, be better partners uh, on the carrier side? It's, it, it's hard to say. I've, I've been an underwriter at a couple different companies, uh, first with small commercial, then with middle market. Uh, I was pretty lucky with the agents that, that I worked with. Uh, I ultimately the, the, the carriers need to, to invest in, in the, in, in the agencies, especially in, in agencies with, with, with newer people. Uh, and I, I think that both sides need, need to understand that, that you kind of, you kind of talked about it a little bit. Like why are we always at odds with, with each other? And I think, I think Carly mentioned, mentioned that how, how the agencies and the carriers kind of, are always at odds with with each other. They shouldn't be. I, I, the best explanation I've heard is uh, David Wright on, on our podcast Nick, when Nick interviewed him the first time uh, had a great uh, uh, said something that really stuck with me, uh, which which is that that the the brokers exist to their main job is, is to avoid false negatives, uh, and and the carriers their main job is to avoid false positives. Uh, basically, as a carrier, as an underwriter, I'm better off avoiding something that might be a bad thing than taking a risk. While, while on your side, you're better off trying to get it through so that you get paid, uh, even if it might be a, a bad risk later. Uh, so I, I think we need to educate both sides on that and how to communicate with, with each other because a lot of the times we're talking different languages. I'm, I'm going to bring up two things, Joey. One is... For agents that are listening to this that want to that want to know what what it you know what kind of model should they be focused on that could dramatically improve how the, how their business operates, I would say look no further than the large brokers and how they operate so i 've worked at small agencies i 've worked at mid sized agencies and i 've worked at two the two largest brokers in the world. And there is a level of expertise that when you get up to that level, I mean, they're, they're talking what they talk about what you're talking about, Joey. There are no generalists up there. These are people that are, um, are highly professional. Um, my, my job when I was at Aon, part of my job was uh, as a junior broker was when a, policies came in, I was responsible to read those policies, every single one, and match up, make sure that that big spreadsheet or Word document that we had where we were promising all these things to the customer that it was in the policy and there were no surprises. So I got to, I got to see that part of it. And in the brokerage area, they're, they're, less, price, they're less price conscious. They're, I mean, they have to focus on the relationship and they have to focus on making sure that they're doing the right thing for the customer. So I, as, as a model, I think the model's there. The, you know, if you look at a Marsh McClellan, Aon, Willis, or even um, good-sized brokers, regional brokers, um, you know, risk strategies, um, uh, assured partners I, I, I work with, 
and they're highly professional. And I think agencies that follow that model, I think could, could really uh, have dramatically, it could dramatically improve their business operations and just uh, grow themselves and just, and just be better. I think they solve a lot of problems if they just look up and try to try to behave more professionally. Yes. Uh, but well, but right. So, um, you know, every agent out there listening is saying, Nick, my God, that's a magical place that you just described to me that does not exist because I don't have, I don't have a human being that can just read policies. That's absurd. But there, but Joey, the, the, the times have changed. The, the technology is all here. We have Ask Kodiak. We have Bold Penguin. We have uh, all of the insure tech companies I've interviewed, like Indio Technologies, uh, Broker, Broker Buddha, uh, Agent Av. All the technology is there. And now, and, and we just interviewed uh, John Pritchard Jr. from uh, Ollie, um, and they basically will do all the back office. Like they will, there is enough technology for an agent to come in and basically outsource everything that they're not good at, everything they don't want to do and focus on the things that they do want to do that they can uh, Im- incredibly focus on like a laser beam and not be that generalist and create their niche. Cause I could tell you, I, I'm going to vouch for Tony and Carly and what they say from the MGA side, this, the difference between agents that are professional and the stuff that they send me and agents that are unprofessional and the stuff that they send me is night and day. The agents that are professional have done their homework ahead of time. And I'm much more willing to cut them a break or, um, or take their information sites, sites, you know, as soon as I get it sight unseen, as soon as the data comes in, I'm willing to uh, trust it because I know they've done their homework versus agents that haven't and are forcing me to jump through a bunch of hurdles to help them. Who do you think I'm going to uh, fight for or work harder for? It's night and day. You know, um, as as Nick is speaking about all the technology that's available and and all of these opportunities, um, some of the agents I've worked with who I love have been generalists and they have been fantastic to work with. And they take the time to be professional. So when they call me, they're ready to have a conversation. They still know what they're talking about, even if I know that their book is extremely varied. And I, it is because they have taken the time to recognize what their strengths are. And their strengths, generally, the agents who I love working with, are relationship building. They have taken the time to get to know me. And when they call me, They know that the information I give them is good and has purpose, and they're not um, trying to set up an adversarial conversation with me on every phone call. Uh, They're ready to learn. And I think they go into their customer's office with the same perspective. They're ready to learn about what their customer does. And once they've done their homework and understand what they can bring to the table for that customer, they go back and sell that. And so then the agent and I are having great conversations about coverage and I'm able to take the time to educate them because I know that they have questions that they need answered and they've taken the time to figure out what those questions are. So while Nick is talking about agents aiming to become giant brokers, I don't necessarily, we don't want to uh, put out there that we think that only giant brokers can survive. I think it's a matter of thinking about how do you figure out where your skills actually lie if you want to have a career as an agent and capitalize on those. And if you want to be truly successful, I think focusing on that relationship building piece is how you do it. And then you have a good pipeline with the carrier and you have a good pipeline with your customers. Yeah, I I just want to make sure that it's understood. I'm not telling agents to become, try to become big brokers. I, I was just saying that agents should look at the bigger brokers as a role model for the, the professional aspect of what they need to bring to the table. Um, you know, I, I respect what the agents are doing. I don't, I'm not saying that they should, you know, try to um, become big brokers, but they should emulate. I think there's what you just said, Carly, that professionalism. 
um, I saw that on the broker side every day. Um, and I, you know, most of the agencies I worked at, their relationships were very local. Um, if they didn't happen to know someone at the, you know, at the Lions Club or whatever, um, it was difficult for them to establish additional relationships outside of these like clubs and, and other areas. Whereas, you know, brokers, uh, I, I just think have a, a, just a high degree of professionalism and, and there are a lot of agents that have that too. Um, so I want to make sure I'm not, I'm not dissing them. I'm just the agents that are struggling and they know they're struggling and there's the, they're at that crisis moment. There are role models that there are companies that they can emulate and there's plenty of technology to help them. They just need to, um, they need, they need to get out of their own way. They need to be open to that. And they need, uh, you know, are, are they, are they going to have a killer instinct to implement the, the things that need to be implemented, uh, and, and to, to try to try to get to where they want to go, or are they just going to be satisfied, you know, to kind of watch it all melt away? I don't know. Well, I mean, don't just rip, keep ripping the bandit off, Nick. Don't, don't backpedal. Just pull it off real hard. It's fine. I think we can take it. Uh, no, I, so here's, all right. So obviously a lot, right? So here's the, here's the biggest thing, right? And this is my kind of um, perception uh, perspective on the whole thing. What you're talking about, again, like you said, outsourcing, there's all these tools available. This is, I think maybe the biggest, one of the biggest fundamental issues that we face. It, this is a mindset issue, right? Where most agencies back to the, you know, if you're going to go into an established thing, they're coming into a, a, an arena where, eh, why do we need to pay for that? Eh, that's not important. Uh, somebody can do that. Like we can pay somebody to do, you know, it's like Sally answering the phones can also do that thing, right? It's just, they just, they find ways to not outsource or, you know, to kind of, like you said, bring in those tools. And I think that is maybe one of the biggest kind of uphill battles that we, you know, face as an industry of like, you know, I've told people, hey, Marblebox is great. You know, they do so many things. Uh, you know, there's tons of backend services, Wave or, you know, whatever, Vantage Agora. There's all these things that, you know, can do the things that you want. Um, but additionally, though, I think we're investing, we're giving money in the wrong areas, right? We're, uh, you know, one of the kind of little mini kicks that we're on, we've had some people, um, one of my good friends in Ohio here uh, at the O'Neill Group, Danny Kimball, she kind of got the idea to take some of those marketing dollars instead of using them for another postcard or, you know, um, a print ad or something. You know, it's like, hey, give me money. I'm going to buy an editing computer. I'm going to buy some video gear and I'm going to start creating materials that, um, you know, uh, educate consumers that move them closer to me without me being there that allow me to increase my margins. And I think all of that kind of comes together to where we're not, we're not co-oping the right tools, the right resources. Um, and ultimately we're not having conversations about mindset or even just, I mean, you know, it's like, listen, if, if, if you said, Hey, if you had a carrier, uh, I'm not saying I'm not blaming this on the carrier. I'm just saying it's, I think both sides need to come to the table and say, listen, here's the things that, you know, basically, are proving to be more successful than, than, uh, than others at the moment. How can we make these happen together? Uh, oh, you, you can't, you don't want to do this. Well, we gladly, if this, if this means more business, then we would gladly share whatever cause. I mean like all those things. Again, I don't, like you said, I think we need to end the who's on what side and who needs to do what conversation and we're talking like collectively, but. Well, take, take what, what, uh, agency nation does take what insurance nerds does and let, let's go all the, let's rewind this tape go all the way back to the beginning. And you talked about why it is that we're doing what we're doing. Okay. If you take the, the culture that we we instill within our own organizations, if I, if I had, if I was a senior executive at a carrier that had that kind of pull, I would take what we do now and I would instill it, instill that culture in that carrier, and I would do exactly what you were just describing. I'm a carrier, and I have a whole bunch of agents selling for me. Do you know what I would do? I would, I would go out to those carrier, uh, to those agents, and say, "Listen, uh, we have 50, 50 agents that sell for us. Here's what works. Here's what doesn't work." I, I would make them a tribe and swap information. I would, I would put the resources to help them. I, I don't think it's, it's going to break the bank. I'm not even talking about more commission. I'm just saying how the, the carrier is yeah. in a position to be able to supply valuable information to the agents. 
they don't do that. Yeah, I think it's more. I think it's more incentive, right? They they can drive incentive to change behaviors, right? You know, they can do whatever they want. Yeah. Like they have they have that ability to 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 uh, drive the incentive. It, it's. I just think the carriers really do a shitty job of. Easy, Nick. This is a family show. This is a family show, Nick. It's all right. I, I think the carriers really do a terrible job of working with their agents to to make their businesses better. They, uh, I feel like the carrier's job is to show up at the agency, throw out a spreadsheet and say, this is, how you, this is what you did. What are you planning on doing? And there's very little in the terms of partnership. Now, now the, since the agency system is the sales distribution force, would any other industry spend that little time and effort? Sorry about my cat in the background. Uh, <laughs> time to eat, right? Eat. Yes. Uh, you know, think of like a technology company. You think a technology company would say, yeah, uh, sales division, we're going to meet with you every so often and we're going to see how you did and then project out in the future. And if you don't do well, we're going to get rid of you. That doesn't happen. You, the sales and the marketing and the product, you're all working together to try to figure out how can we all move this train forward in unison as a team. Uh, the, the carriers do a terrible job of of doing of of helping. So, from from an agent's perspective, if I were an agent, I would work harder and try to create more touch points with my carrier representatives and try to figure out, hey, what are you doing with your other agents? What's working? What's not working? The the, the agents, if the carriers aren't going to do it, the agents should be more proactive reaching out to their carers, making sure that there's strong relationships and, and, and acting as, as if they are the, the sales division of that carrier. Um, so if we want to look to kind of some sort of positive future as Nick goes and feeds his cat, um, Carly, <laughs> um, what I, it feels like there's just very simple like steps that we could you know, like if 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 I were to walk away today, you were to walk away today, and and you know like just say hey listen you know let's just do this one simple thing to kind of build that bridge a little closer to kind of change that mindset. I mean, is there one thing that you know kind of would be the easiest to start with? Um, a really ex- an extremely simple thing. Connect with your underwriters on LinkedIn. If they're not there, send them an email and say, hey, I was looking to connect with you on LinkedIn. I can't find you. I try to connect with all of my agents on LinkedIn. Start to get a perspective on what the other side is going through. And is there an open dot? I mean, you have conversations. It just makes it easier to kind of stay up to date. I mean, what what they're dealing with, you're dealing with on things. Okay. Uh, Tony, I, I didn't want to exile you. I don't know if Tony's still with us. I'm just going to give this a shot. I am. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't need you to go completely zero dark 30 on me, but, um, <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts? I, I, I don't know what happened with my video, by the way. I, I, I am still here. I, I'm not sure what the technical difficulty is. Uh, and, and no, I, I, I've been quiet mostly because, because I've never worked in the agency world. So, so it's hard for, for me to put myself in, in their in their shoes. Uh, it, I, I don't know what the, what the one thing would, would be. I, I mean, the, the more bridges uh, we can build between underwriting and and sales management and the actual people selling the product, uh, I agree with Carly that that's excellent. Uh, and I think the more we can do to encourage, encourage cross pollination between the agency and and and, and the uh, carrier world. Uh, you know, can we create a rotation program to set, to set, to send underwriters through you know six months on an agency or the other way around? Uh, I don't know. I truly, when it, when it comes to, to, to the agency side, I I have a lot a lot more questions than I do answers compared to on the carrier side. Um. So Nick, I will finish with this. I will finish with this. And are we are we just as responsible in this because again um you know we run similar we do very similar things 
in a, in, in a very, it's not similar. It is the same industry. And uh, we, we, this is the, you know, really a fir- one of the few official times that we've kind of cross pollinated, if you will. Uh, I don't even think, you know, I, I've never had, I've never done an interview with, a carrier executive and an agent, you know, it's kind of talking back and forth. I've never made a video. Is there more that we could kind of do to highlight showcase and bringing both sides together? Well, I, I, I would, the simple answer is yes. And you know, when insurance earns, if you look at our mission statement, it's really geared towards like information and uh, you know, career development and that kind of thing. But these things just keep popping up. And I can tell you from our own internal conversations, we're just like, no one is solving this problem. And you know, everything Carly said was correct. There's a lot of collaboration that needs to go on. And if the, if others are not going to do it, we feel as though insurance nerds does have a responsibility um, in, in some kind of model to, uh, to, as, a, as an impetus to, to get this thing moving because we think that is the appropriate solution. The type of, I, I see the work that you guys do over at Agency Nation. Pick that up and drop it in a carrier. Um, if you could get the carrier to instill that culture, it, it, would be, it would be phenomenal. Same thing with the agency. Then get them to talk to one another. So there's an incredible amount of work to do and we, and we at Insurance Nerds do feel a sense of responsibility, um, whether via podcasts, uh, blog articles, events, or you know, down the road, working directly with carriers and agents and making sure like this is listen, if you want to know how an innovative culture works, let us try to let us try to instill what we do in 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 your organizations. Or this is how these two parties should be talking. And um, it's funny that you brought up getting a you know, carrier exec and an agency exec kind of in the same room. We, we've had that conversation with people. Um, you know, can we get events where we can get both coming and use the event as a way to create collaboration between the two? Because the agents bring something incredibly valuable to the table. So don't the carriers. Our interests are aligned. We just, we just have to like work together and negotiate to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we mix this salad together so that we can get a nice meal?